we start, Sarah? So may we start. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, this morning I texted Nicole a gif of a duel, a gif of a cat fight between two w- w- women, yes. Phoebe and Rachel, or Monica Oh and yeah, that Rachel? was... That was the episode no, 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 where the they sister, were Christina, Christina Applegate and Rachel. Yeah. Oh, right. That's the sister fight. Yeah. Or the sister. And then a gif of uh, uh, Adam Driver's hands reaching out to reaching Marin out to Cotillard and Annette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So two podcasters enter. Only one leaves. Um, oh, no. To the no, death. No, it's not the fight <laughs> to the death. Um, I just let's I can't fucking wait anymore. Welcome to the Adam and Andy I podcast. Cannot- wait. The suspense has been building. Killing me. Welcome to the Adam, Adam and Andy podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. I'm your other host, Sarah. And Sarah and I saw Annette weeks ago. Mm-hmm, like last month. Yeah. Like right after it came out in the US. And we have not been uh, permitted to talk to each other about it Mm-mm. since. The only it's thing I know. really hard. Is that Sarah hates this movie to her core. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I know is that Nicole loves this movie to her core. I love it. Like if I could, if I could masticize, is it masticize when you choose something? If I could, if I could masticate this movie and, and, and put it into like a smoothie and drink it, I would like, I would drink this movie as a smoothie. Mm. (laughs) I'm trying to think of a good comp. I'm back to that. Like, Mm. Yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> I don't have one. Um, I loved this movie top to bottom, and you did not. And so mm-hmm. today we're going to talk about that. Uh, it seems like our feelings about this movie represent like uh, the population at large. Oh yeah, for sure. I looked up reviews, and it was either like this is horseshit or this is a brilliant, yeah, film. And yeah. we've got all opinions represented here. Mm-hmm. So I can't fucking wait. But before we do, I hate to make you wait a little longer. Are you ready to get into some Adam and Andy news? Sure. <laughs> Sarah, I have something that's so I can't wait to tell you about. And I almost texted you about it when I found out about it. But then I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait okay. until the show to tell you. wait so much. I know. Because uh, I found out about it like I think a week or two ago. Anyway, okay. uh, I'm going to I'm going to save that. So I'm going to start with I'm going to start with Adam today. I'm going to start with Adam this week. Um, there isn't much to say. Um, Adam really. Adam is filming white noise still. Uh, not a lot of information, not a lot of set pits picks. It's like July was uh, Adam Dri- Adam Driver Palooza, and then na- and and then now nothing. Right. Um. So uh, now I did hear from a friend who works uh, in the film industry that his roommate was potentially going to get a gig on white noise or on a, the recent Noah Baumbach film, which I was like, well, that can only be white noise. Mm -hmm. And he seemed to think that that was going to happen in Atlanta. Now I thought, I thought they were my, to my knowledge, they were shooting in Ohio. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, maybe they were going to, so I don't know, but uh, it's, uh, somebody around uh, seems to think that there might be they might be shooting in Atlanta at some point. Um, but if this person gets on the uh, the gig, potentially maybe we could have them on the show to talk about their experience working on the film, cool. which would be pretty fucking cool. So yeah. I guess I'm just going to put out a general call 
to the Twitterverse or to the the, the listener verse, uh, if you've worked on a film that Adam or Andy were on or a TV show, um, come on the show. We'll talk to you. I think that would be fun, don't you? Oh yeah. So tweeted us at Adam Andy Pod if you uh, worked on the show, uh, a show or a movie uh, with Adam Andy uh, Adam Driver Andy Samberg as a crew member or as an extra or anything. Uh, we'd like to talk to you or as fun. his co-star Marion Cotillard. Yeah, Marion, Marion, just drop us a line. Drop us a line. And Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, ScarJo. She, I'm sure ScarJo would love to be on our show. Mm-hmm. She's just been waiting for our call, really, and she's on Twitter right now. Uh, quickly sending us a, a DM. Oh. <laughs> no. no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Um, uh, the other, I think, bit of news was that Adam will not be at the Venice Film Festival, which a lot of people were disappointed about because uh, he's used typically serving looks. Is at he? the Venice. Well, I mean. At the he, Venice Film Festival? Yes. Uh, serving looks, you say? I think The Last Duel is going to be there. Okay. Um, so I guess he's not, he's not going to be there. And, and Twitter was upset about that, but. Well, he has a kid. He, Maybe he's taking care of his kid. Well, he's on think? set. Oh. But I, but his, but actually I will say that there are people who tweet about being extras in white noise. And they did say that, 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 that his son was on set on one of the days and that actually he this is adorable he kept trying to like say he kept saying daddy like during the during the shoot and and joanne was like having to quiet him oh which i thought was fucking adorable um so (laughs) yeah so he he's on set um and is not going to be on the venice film at the venice film festival and but it's like people are like oh they're like joking there were people joking about it mostly i think but people were like mad that no bombeck was like holding him prisoner and it's like if adam driver wanted to go to the venice film fest he would go he'd be like i'm not free that night yeah sorry, he'd be like Noah. sorry bro um i think that he i get the sense that he probably enjoys working mm-hmm. more than he likes en- working more than film festivals more than schmoozing mm-hmm. and being not mean, a schmoozer and having photographs snapped in his face i'm yeah. pretty sure he enjoys the work more and so mm-hmm. if he wanted to be there, he would be. And we'll just all have to accept that, I think. Yeah. Are you ready for some Andy news? Is this the big one? This is the big one. So not- Is he pregnant? He's pregnant. You've, you heard it here, folks. He's pregnant um, mm-hmm. due in May. He's going to have a May baby. Ooh, okay. A maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Andy's been making the rounds on the talk shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that Brooklyn's nine- Nine Nine season eight is out. Uh, told some very cute stories about his child because he just had his birthday, and he told an adorable story about how his daughter uh, was like, "Daddy, would you like a unicorn donut for your birthday?" And he's like, "Do you want a unicorn? Is do you actually want the unicorn donut?" And she was basically like, "I mean, if if you're buying one." <laughs> and so he got her a unicorn donut. For how his old birthday. is she? I don't. I actually don't know how old she is, but uh, old enough to still enjoy unicorn donuts. But I mean, that's kind of timeless if you think that about it. That would be cute if she were like five or something. Yeah, I'm not really sure how old she is, but uh, probably under ten. I'm not as guess. cute if she were eight. No, More if she's eight, if she then three. it's like you better want a maple bacon donut or nothing else, right? At that point, mm-hmm. like it's beyond. We're beyond the 
the unicorn donuts then at that, at that what point. What about a Beyond don't, don't, don't Donut? A Beyond Bake? I'm not going to lie. I would eat that. A, a bacon Donut. I would eat that. Well, Beyond hasn't made bacon yet, but I hope they will because they're the literally the only... I've, ne- I've literally never been able to find vegan meat that tastes like bacon. I, I've tried everything. I've just given up. Uh, so tweet at us at Adam Pot if you have found a vegan meat that tastes Try- like bacon. Morningstar Farms. I did. It's got the you bacon did. crunch, but it's still texture wise. It's a bit like eating a cracker, which is fine. Like mm. I'll accept it, but it's not bacony enough. To I'd rather have a mm. vegan sausage, you know, because then I can lie to myself. I think my dad air fried some fake bacon, and it was actually yep. pre- pre- pretty good. Okay, well, your dad needs to hit me up with those deets on the bacon because I miss bacon, but not enough to go back to eating meat. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you ready for the big news? Yes. Okay. Well, I am going to let me make sure I have the appropriate thing up. I am going to uh, pull up a visual aid here. Oh God, I'm so excited. Um. So the big news is that. Um. Can you see this? Maya Rudolph and Andy Samberg. Yeah. Sorry, I was there was like a weird green outline on my picture for a second there. Um. So. Uh, you've heard of Making It, right? The show Making It with Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler, uh huh. Which is like a competition crap show, right? Are they doing a competition show? They're doing a competition show together. I what feel is like it? what is it's it about? called Baking It. Baking It, Sarah. Baking It, like it's a baking. They're gonna bake stuff. Not them. The they're gonna. Ju- they're the judges of a baking oh competition my gosh. show. I feel like somebody crawled inside your head and was like, "What would Sarah like the most this holiday season?" And then they made it. They were like, oh my God. Can you believe it? Yes. Maya and Andy together. Hulu? Uh, It's going to be on Peacock TV. Oh, fuck. Well, I'll fucking sign up for Peacock just long enough to watch this shit. I mean, we got to watch it on the show, right? Yeah. We have to watch this and talk about it on the podcast. Baking it. Baking it. Oh, my gosh. You think that, that, that Amy Poehler was like, hey, hey, Maya? Uh, Amy Poehler is a producer. Oh, great. So she's one of the producers uh, on Baking It, uh, along with there's a couple others that I didn't recognize. But be so cute. I know. I'm so fun. Also, Sarah. Have you seen Making It? I have seen a couple episodes of Making It. What I love about Making It is that it's so sweet. Like, it's, it's so like. sweet. They're like, no one. It's not that the type of like mean, nasty, like, let's make fun of the people's uh, crafts kind of show. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. good natured and fun. And Amy and Nick are so fun to watch. Wholesome. It's so fucking wholesome. And look I've how wholesome the they fucking thing. look right now. Look, mm-hmm. nothing is more wholesome than this picture of, of, yes. of Andy Samberg and my corduroy right dress. I adore them Andy so much. resting his hand on his chin. Looking so fine in that little plaid shirt so with the sweater. Cute. Um also Sarah get this, it's coming out in the winter time which is mm-hmm. it which is it which is when I feel most amenable to baking. Mm. Like you know I'm not really a baker. No. But I will I I get notions of baking during the winter time as it gets mm-hmm. colder and I certainly do like to eat things that have been baked. Mhm. Who doesn't? Uh, so I'm. I thought you might enjoy this little bit of news. I will enjoy this very much. So I'm looking forward to watching, uh, watching this on the show with you. Um, yes. And that's at the moment all I've got for news this week. That's awesome. Um, are you ready to talk about Annette? I can't tell. You're making a face. Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So you wrote some things down. 
and I wrote some things down. Are yours like at least sort of in chronological order of what happens in the film or is it just like a general? It's just like a general list of things. I feel like we should go back and forth, you know, like a debate team, like side A, side B, side A, side B. I wasn't a part of debate team. I wasn't either, but I imagine this is how it goes, right? One side presents their thoughts and the other side has a rebuttal and then so on and so forth, right? Is that not, that's how it works, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, you go first. Okay. Well, Okay, so first of all, I'd like to talk about how this is a movie within a movie. And you know, I'm not really one for a bunch of meta shit. But mm-hmm. when it's done right, it is my favorite fucking thing, right? So I uh, I, I would, I would uh, compare this to two other movies that we've seen of Adam's. Uh, the Dead Don't Die, which I know you didn't care for that much either. And also, um, fuck. Uh, the one Toby, the one with the the one the the one the one that was directed by Terry Gilliam that we just watched, the made of Cook Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. I would compare this film to those, uh, mm-hmm. both because it's kind of meta, but also much like the man who killed Don Quixote, this film is about the art and the artist. I think uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I the more I watch this movie a couple of times. And I've listened to the soundtrack a bunch. I actually listened to it again today. And I feel like, I mean, it's it's the movie within a movie thing is very obvious in the sense that it starts with them singing a song about, hey, this fucking movie's about to start. Also, there's literally a voiceover saying, like, don't fart during the movie, which I also was amused by. Um, and then, but then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about the idea that even the movie inside of the movie felt like with the amount of repetition and certain themes coming up again and again, that it almost felt like the characters in the movie also kind of knew they were in a movie. Um, and uh, I that I found very appealing. I'll give you an example. Um, so we start with everybody getting their wigs on and everyone waving goodbye to them as they're going off into the sunset, right? Or the morning or whatever to begin their day. And there's a lot of bits in there where... Um, For example, Henry, Adam Driver's character, is constantly repeating the idea of of like like comedy and how he's going to murder the audience. I murdered them, right? Mm -hmm. And also the whole bit about I murdered my wife and all this. I feel like Henry, the character, is almost trapped in this cycle of I'm the care. I'm the I'm the monster in the woods that kills the damsel. And Anne is trapped in the cycle of I am the damsel that gets sacrificed. And it's like they they know that and that they're going to start that that is going to it fe- almost feels like at the end of the movie, after he tells everyone to stop looking at him, he goes in the corner, and he says, don't look at me like it's almost all all going to begin again. Like it's like a thing that to me in my, in my head that this is a story that's constantly cycling, but also it to me represents the larger idea of that all of our uh, all of our stories in western history have been like this bad man does bad thing woman sacrifices her life and the cycle begins and that's the that's like our that's goes back all the way to the greeks and shakespeare and it's like a story that continues over and over again and i feel like a comment on the broader um archetypes of the way women women and men are written in stories anyway i know that's a big thing but I just wanted to drop that first because I think that's one of the more interesting things about the movie to me is the way it examines masculinity 
in film and literature and femininity in film and literature in those two characters, Anne and Henry. See, I just thought it was like something I've seen that, like you said, the archetypes, like I've just seen it so much that I don't want to see it again. Like I don't. I totally get that. I totally get that. But I would invite you to think about the way this movie. And I think there's some there's a and this is a question that I kind of placed more towards the end of the film, like the our discussion. Uh, but I think there is something to be said about like, why keep making movies about violent men? Like, why? Why do we do that? Um, what I find appealing about this movie is that it approaches that idea from a more modern sensibility. Because although I do feel for Henry because of the performance by Adam Driver, I don't excuse him or root for him. And I don't know that it's just because that I'm a woman. I think it's because of the way that he's written. At no time does the movie excuse his behavior. At no time does it try to explain his behavior. If anything, it says this guy is like this. And, and the more you let him get away with it, the more capable of violence he is. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that as long as men, violent men exist, there is a reason to tell that story. We just have to keep changing the way that we look at it. So instead of looking at him as some tragic figure that couldn't help himself or looking at him as you might in a Greek tragedy, right? In a Greek tragedy, it's like, well, he's just, this is his nature, right? I feel like Henry has a bunch of opportunities to change. And he doesn't. Which I feel like, I feel like, and and there's no attempt to go, well, Henry's like this because of fame. Or Henry's like this because of the way he was raised. Or there's no excuses for it. It's just, Henry is a selfish alcoholic man who cannot control his ego and it leads to the misery of a lot of people including his daughter um so i can understand why you wouldn't want to see a story about that but i think as long as those men exist and as long as men make movies men will make movies about men whose egos cause destruction but it was made by a bunch of men exactly it was. You're right. That and is not a. Uh, you're. You've, we're making a fair point. The character of Anne has no agency. She's just cardboard. She's just. She doesn't even have a character. She's just w- 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 woman who is put upon. Okay, let's let's voice. talk about that. I want to talk about that more. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. I mean, I guess I can. Let me just start with. Uh, yeah. Like, so I know that. Uh, 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 operas are called operas because it, there's no dialogue. It's just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. music and lyrics. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, operas are have re- repetitive lyrics just because it's like it was easier. Like when you went to see a, a live show, you know, it was easier to hear things mm-hmm. that were more simplistically said because mm-hmm. they're sung and that's the whole story. However, we're so good at consuming films these days that the way the lyrics were so repetitive and so simplistic 
and people were singing exactly their thoughts and fe- feelings. There mm-hmm. was no subtext. There was no subtlety. It was just, this is how I feel. This is what I'm th- th- thinking. That is, is what is happening in this store, store story right uh-huh. now. I was bored. I was uh, well, like, there's not all, anything to I disagree. I disagree. Um, and I, I, I know you didn't want to watch this movie again. And I imagine you did not listen to the soundtrack that I sent you. I feel like at, at first glance, it does seem very simplistic. But as if you, the more you listen to it, there's actually a lot more layers under there. And I don't agree that the music does not, I don't agree that the story or music do not have layers. I think that there is uh, a lot of emulating what you're talking about, the the theatricality of opera or even the theatricality of a musical where people are saying what they feel. But then there's a lot of other stuff underneath it. Um, and there is a lot of foreshadowing um, that I didn't pick up on the first time around. Like, for example, um, her so- her operatic song. There's a lot in there in that when they when we so we see Henry's and I want to talk about Henry's comedy and I'm putting that in quotations routine as well. So the movie starts out with Henry and Anne and their sort of rituals of getting ready and then their their various performances and it kind of compares the two things. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that this is really an examination of what is considered to be fem- a feminine form of art, which is this operatic soprano. Uh, a woman, the woman who, who's beloved for for being sacrificed and dying every night, as as all these, all these stories we've been passing on over and over over time are about. They are about always about a woman sacrificing herself, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's what happens to Anne in the story. Um, and then you have Henry and his like sort of hyper masculine toxic masculine you know masculine sort of comedy routine right which is all about like which I think is very dead on about not just comedians like male comedians like uh, like Louis CK or something like that's what that echoed for me was like Louis CK but also these like Joe Rogan and these like fucking radio personalities that people are obsessed with that Mm -hmm. felt very modern to me um like that whole angle on Henry the comedian Mm-hmm. Um, so Anne's song at first when I heard it I was like oh it's this is just what she sings when she's at the opera but then if you listen more closely it's about her foreshadowing everything that's going to happen to Anne and Annette in the story because it's talking about being lost and alone and afraid and not sure like and 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 thinking that you know someone but not really knowing them which is what her whole relationship with Henry is she fell yeah, in love I, with somebody who isn't what he seems. Well, I disliked him right from the start. And I also would say that I That's didn't fair. feel love there at all. I, and I want to, let's put a pin in that because I okay. really want to talk about love just kind of as its own topic. But back to the okay. song. So, and and there's also like a sort of almost a breaking of, I, I think, the reality of the story where when she goes into the woods, it feels like we're no longer in the opera but she's now like in that place where her house is and they keep referring her to a, a as a queen and like it's almost like there's like this lost princess in the castle kind of situation and the monster in the woods that 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 
take consumes her and and kills her. And that's, I think, what all those shots... At first, I was trying to figure out what are all these shots about where he's, like, coming up from behind her. Like, he is the monster in the woods, you know? That's what uh, I thought when, when I saw that. Uh, but also, she's singing about the moonlight and the starlight and how she can't find the moonlight and the starlight, which echoes what happens in the storm on the ship where after Anne is gone, Annette looks up into the moonlight and begins singing. Mm -hmm. And then every time they shine a light on her face, a spotlight, essentially it's, she sings like every time they turn the light on, she sings. And part of it is like, almost like she's absorbing that spotlight that her mother naturally did. But also I think is an echo of that trauma. She felt looking up at the moon after her mother was killed. Um, all of that is in the first song that Annette say, uh, that Anne sings in the opera. And I didn't notice it until I had, um, honestly, I, I heard the song many times. It wasn't until I saw the movie that I really made the connection between the, that song and, and the foreshadowing of all the things that later happened to Anne in the movie. I mean, I think we're capable of making connections however we want, but the, the thing for me is that even if there were connections, I wasn't moved by the story. I wasn't interested in the story. I was angry at the way it was told. And I was angry at the subject matter and how slowly it went and how repetitive it was. And that's why I couldn't. That's fair. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Um, But what I'm trying to say is to it, to say that the music and the story do not have layers, I think, is just not true. You cannot like the layers, and you cannot like the story, and you can feel like you don't like the movie and you don't feel good watching it. But I, but it, but there is a lot of layers to the story. There's a lot of care. I can see how much care was put in the production design. Um, oh yeah, there's lots of care, but I think and that- the and the lyrics to the music and the and the like you the the fact that when Annette be, like all of this every time Annette sings, she's singing the same song that her mother sang in the in the in the aria at the very beginning of the movie. Like all of that stuff, to me, is meant to emulate, you know, like a like something like a Greek tragedy or a Shakespearean drama but like to put it in a modern setting that's how I see this movie is a very theatrical Shakespearean type story that is being placed in a modern setting Uh, so it's using all those tricks that you would see in one of those type of stories yeah I guess and it's okay if you don't like it I'm just saying that that stuff is there whether you like it or not I guess it's there but it's not compelling and it's not new well for you I found it to be very compelling. Um, it's just not new and it's not original. And it's like, I just have seen those themes just so much that I just am like, I am so bored by this. Like I just. So that's what made you angry about it then. Cause it did make you feel something as opposed to the report, which kind of made us feel nothing. Well, the report bored me as well. But, but like, so what about it made you angry then? That I had to sit there and watch it. Okay. <laughs> like I was very bored. Okay. Um, and I, I just really, 
didn't get anything out, out of it. It just didn't seem deep. It didn't seem complex. It seemed very like what you see is what you get. And and maybe I was seeing all those things in the the, the layers, but I was seeing them quick quicker than the film was moo 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 so they were just served up to you in a way you did not like yeah it was just like okay well that's obvious like Mm -hmm. it just seemed it seemed too on the nose it seemed too like perfectly like this is how this is how it i don't know like i just okay so um i would like to talk about henry's comedy routine mm-hmm. oh by the Which way i want to say com- that, what that adam driver his performance was amazing yes i think there's no denying it whether you like this movie or not and why why would you say that what, what why do you say that you think his performance was amazing just he's so good at being bad and so good at being um I think this is the most monstrous monster I've being seen him play, to be honest. Monstrous. Yeah. Being, he's just very interesting. He he's makes interesting choice. compelling choice, to watch. He's, he's committed. Watch. He's committed. He commits. Yeah. That's that whole scene about him telling the tickle story. Like I was yes. on the edge of my seat. I, that was my favorite part of the movie. Actually, <laughs> it was horrible, but I was like, he is doing, he's so committed. So well with this, yeah. like just so, I mean, that's the thing is he will make anything good. Yeah. But like, he, 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 even he couldn't say for say, you. Say this for me. Yeah. Um. So, and I, again, I, I do think this is like a, a more monstrous, the more monster, one of the more monstrous people he's played. Now, you know, Leos, the director of this film, saw him on Girls and was like, I want that guy in my movie. And so I, I have to wonder if there's an element of, you know, Adam Sackler at play here, like a little bit of the crassness and the, you know, um, somebody who's uh, on the outside of what you would seem deem to be the acceptable, uh, acceptable society. And we all love Adam Sackler and we'll talk about him when we get to girls. But Adam Sackler, especially in the first season, starts out very rough around the edges. Um, He does a lot of weird unacceptable shit and uh i i have to wonder if that inspired some of this um anyway uh i want to talk about his comedy routine and i'm gonna call i'm gonna put comedy in quotations again this is another thing that really worked for me i'm gonna tell you why it worked for me and then by all means respond to it and i know you did you probably hated this part um it at first i was very confused watching it because i was like is this supposed to be funny um am i supposed to laugh at this and then a few minutes and I realized this isn't a comedy routine. This is a sort of a meditation on a comedy, a particular type of comedy routine. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, what a comedian is looking for. And I began to really be drawn in by the because because I now listeners, I didn't do stand up for very long. It just was not my jam. Um, I don't like most stand-up comedians I just don't I there's I have a lot of friends that are stand-ups and I adore them and they're very funny but the people I would encounter at an open mic most of them 
I could fucking do without ever listening to them ever again. Uh, there was, mm-hmm. There's a lot of men out there doing comedy who rely on misogyny, uh, a lot of fucking pedophile jokes, and just like this, there's this notion that I'm telling the truth by pushing people into a place that's uncomfortable for the sake of making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I think comedy can be very truthful, but not it but that's not how you get there for me to me that's just an, one person dominating everybody else and and trying to make them squirm and I, as a woman i spend my whole life being made to squirm and i don't like it and so henry's routine really made me feel like it was a commentary on that and that very particular type of guy and that may not have been something you wanted to watch, but to me that felt very familiar and validating. And also just the very idea that when a comedian goes out there, he is desperate for laughter and the validation that he gets from the laughter. And he is not, he needs it to feel like a person who people give a shit about. And the desperation he feels when he's not getting that laughter anymore, the way that he turns on them, uh, all of that felt, I think, this was the part where a story about a shitty man felt like something new to me. Not uh, that these, that there are so many men like this in comedy that have been outed as predators and violent men and they just a a couple years later they're back on the circuit making jokes about it and fuck those guys louis ck all those guys yep and so anyway that part of the movie really worked for me and the idea that they would take that guy and say this is the monster of our story i was like yes those fucking guys are the monsters the guys that say i'm up here telling the truth no you're fucking not you are doing this for you Anyway, I just wanted to say that. So uh, do, I don't know if yeah. you had any responses to his I that mean, whole part of the movie. Yeah, like it was. I definitely got that. That is what I was commenting on. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean, you've I been to I'm, a lot of comedy shows too. I have. Yeah, they're guys are like that. But again, it's like. But you didn't want know. it. Like no, it's not that I. I just. It, it's been commented on so much. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't. I guess I don't. I don't want to see a movie about it. Like I, that's fair. It's. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like those men are seen as harmless in a way that they shouldn't be. That's how yeah. I feel, and I'm not yeah. just talking about these stupid eighteen-year-olds I see at the open mics. I'm talking about the big titans of comedy who go around abusing women for decades and when they finally get caught they get a slap on the wrist mm-hmm. and then there's the large you pull it out and it's the larger idea of just Hollywood and the the toxic men in Hollywood who are allowed to get away with whatever the fuck they want I'm talking about the film directors the producers all of these guys Sarah that you and I have talked about over and over and over again on our other podcast the feminine mistake who treat people on the set like shit who are revered as artists and everyone keeps asking them to separate the artist from the man. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and those guys never really see any kind of um, comeuppance for their behavior and are continued to be revered artists. And that, but, but, but also I feel like there are women and also even people of color in this industry who, if they say the wrong thing in an interview, like that's it. You're not a genius anymore because you said something that upset people or you did something one stupid that doesn't even amount to what some of these men have done, but automatically shunned because we have no patience for anyone except for these, these white cis men that we revere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just, I see it and I i actually did appreciate the connection that was being made there. Personally. Um, what else you got in your list? Because I've got so many notes. So many notes. Um, the accompanist. Yes. I would love so, to talk about the uh, the conductor friend. Yeah. Um, we didn't see that much of him and what we did see, he hadn't, he had a thing with Anne Mm -hmm. before Anne met Henry. Yeah. Sounds, seems like pretty Um, quickly before it wasn't, didn't last long. It seems like he Um, also seemed pretty obsessed with with fame as is everyone else in this movie. Yeah. Um, and there was a creepy scene between him and the Annette doll. We haven't even talked about the Annette doll. Yes, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he's killed by um, Henry. Henry uh, at the end. Um, I mean, there wasn't much to him. We didn't get to see him enough for me to care about him dying. See, again, I really I disagree. To me, um. I feel like there was a change in him from I only care about like I want to step behind from behind this piano as the accompanist accompanist and I want to step into the spotlight as the conductor and that was like all that really mattered to him initially but he really became a father figure for Annette and I really feel like there was genuine love between them as like as a as as a sort of stand-in father figure because her own father was sort of broken and selfish and and an alcoholic and not there for her and the one thing i that scene sarah honestly one of my favorite scenes in the movie doesn't even have adam in it it's when the conductor is conducting the orchestra and the camera's sweeping around him. And he's kind of giving us a little bit of exposition about how Anne's now dead. This is after the storm. Anne's now dead. And he suspects that Henry had something to do with it. And and the 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 the, the scene, the way the scene conveys not just the emotion he's feeling about her death, but also the way that he's like taking the emotion as our, as we do as artists and pouring it into the music that he's conducting. Like he's taking moments to really let the, the music get turbulent as his emotions are feeling turbulent. That to me was a really beautiful scene and uh, really endeared him to me as a character. And then later all those scenes of him, like holding the baby and, you know, playing piano with her. The one thing I didn't really care for was the in the the sort of plotty thing where they're like oh well he thinks that that's his child and i'm like we don't need that we don't need him to think that might be his child it doesn't make sense first of all 
because Henry, like obviously Henry and Anne Unless were together. They had an affair. He, yeah, but he made it very clear that it was before she met Henry, and him Henry and Anne were together and married before Annette was born. It just I I'm I don't want to think about. It would the only math. make sense if there was an affair, right? But it sat. But he made it clear that they broke it off. Well, he said at first. He said that first, but it could have. They could have had an affair. Sure, but I don't really think that the movie really makes that clear. He says the minute he basically says when you came along, she for she basically forgot about me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I'm more interested in the conductor seeing Annette as because no one in this movie sees her as a real person, obviously. And I feel like we can get to that when we talk about the puppet. Everyone sees her as like their own tool in some way, and even though the conductor shows her more fatherly love than her father does i think he still sees her as his last link to anne and i think that was enough i don't think we need him saying that he thinks that that might be his daughter i guess they felt like they needed that to motivate henry to murder him but i feel like henry's jealousy over his relationship with annette probably would have been enough for me i didn't need that little plot point personally yeah, it's funny. The the scene with where he's conducting, it was like the exposition was so exposition-y that I was just like rolling my eyes. And then mm-hmm. and then I was distracted by the fact that he was conducting wrong. Okay. I like don't know anything was, about conducting, so it didn't do it yeah, didn't. So I was just like I was <laughs> I like fucking what care is about happening? That. Like so I was very just distracted by that. Okay. I was like, Oh, he this is a, a movie moment where someone who doesn't know how to conduct like conducts yeah i didn't uh to me it all looked fine uh i did not it didn't set my dart off uh, off at all i was more focused on the emotion that was happening in the scene um so it did that didn't bother me but i can see how that might have bothered you um Uh, again the the emotion was always stay stated in words it was never hinted at or alluded to but isn't that how every fucking musical is no all those fucking uh, musicals are like that musicals are they they sing about things but they don't sing about emotions for the most part they're not singing about like i I feel this way in this moment they have a more poetic way of saying things or a more interesting way of saying things this was literally saying like we love each each other so much we love each other so much we love each other so much and again and again and again but the emotion was coming to me in the performance and it is didn't love each other that was the the crazy maybe the repetition is is the point sarah if you don't feel first of all i disagree i think they did love each other because i and i want to talk about this because I think what the the movie posits it, it, multiple times, both between Anne and Henry and Anne and, and Annette and Henry, can is it love if lo- if the love is toxic and bad for you? Is it still love? You don't agree, no. but I do. I think so. I think that what I like about this movie is that much like many of other Adam of uh, many of Adam's other characters. Like it would be, e- and I know you didn't like Henry from the beginning, but I feel like a lot of people disagree. I think Henry is very charming and attractive, meant to, meant to be. He's they shot him in a way where Adam Driver looks gorgeous, beautiful. His body looks amazing. His hair looks amazing, even though that wig is probably not real, uh, not his real hair. But his soul was e- 
evil and I could see That's it in his eyes. What I'm saying is like the idea that someone is evil to me is it's it's not realistic. The worst people are the ones that are charming. The reason that people are able to manipulate and destroy is because they're charming. Mm -hmm. And that is real to me. The idea that Anne would fall in love with someone, and they said it happened very quickly, so this was all very believable to me. The idea that Anne would be drawn into his, and maybe he is good sometimes. Because, and I think you and I have known people, and I'm not going to get All specific people are here. good sometimes. Right, but you and I have both known people that are very charming, that pull you in like a fucking mm-hmm. tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you realize they're not who you thought at all. Mm-hmm. You got you and I have experienced that together. Mul- but multiple times for me. For you, yes. For me, there's one that really sticks out for me. And that person was handsome and charming and ha- and gathered a lot of people around this the, the, this person, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, the people that are the 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 most likely like it it's realistic to me that a person who is capable of getting away with as much as he did is is charming. And you can oh, see yes. him falling apart, Henry. You can see him falling apart, and the more he falls apart, the hard the worse the worse the acts are that he commits. And the closer mm-hmm. he gets to being caught because he's no longer charming and he's no longer pulling it off, he's a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, so I, beyond the person that you're talking about that we we knew together, I was in a relationship with someone who was uh, abusive and, and uh, just bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I have, you know, gone through it so much and like know so much about the psychology of it that it just like I don't want to th- th- think about it anymore like it's I just get like it. yes like this happens all the time and I get not ch- wanting to put yourself charming ones that. are the ones to lo- look out for like everyone knows that now like it's and I wouldn't know. even say that Henry is charming in a way that is like oh wow I'm surprised that he's capable of that it's more like he's charismatic charming is maybe the wrong word because Henry's comedy act is very abrasive Mm -hmm. and Henry himself is I mean I think in all the I think the love scenes were very tender personally um in the early part of the movie in fact the first half of the movie feels almost like a totally different movie to me um that's so funny both uh my boyfriend and I were just like really I felt like, the love scenes were very tender. That, we were like, personally. that's not love. Well, is- but love isn't all like there's this idea that love is always a good thing. And it isn't. Sometimes love is obsessive. Sometimes love is destructive. Yeah. I just don't think that's lo- 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 love though. Or that's not. It's not. Po- good it's love. not good love. I agree. It's not good love. It's not a love that heals. It's not a love that improves your life. But to the person that is feeling it. That person is in love. They're just not capable of loving in a way that is mutually beneficial. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And that's exactly what Annette says to him. You're not allowed to love me anymore because she makes a choice that she doesn't want that kind of love. That is a choice that her mother was not able to make. Yeah, I guess it's interesting you say that love can be unhealthy and toxic because like I, 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 I literally, I have had to go through. um, So the old relationship that I, we, we did say I love you and like I thought I loved him but like after the fact it's like no I fucking didn't like I didn't that wasn't love and so like and I think it's totally fine to draw a line in the sand about those things and I'm not saying that it is a good kind of love or even that it's not okay to go back and say well that wasn't love but for the for that 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 is that awful person's version of love it doesn't mean that's what you deserve or that you should accept it. But for Henry, this is the only way he does love. And again, you may not want to watch a story about that, and that's totally fair, but that is a thing that I found interesting to meditate on because we're often told love is always a good thing, but it isn't. It isn't always a good thing. You know? And this and the and the I've been, I think, lucky in my life to have few people that loved me in a way that was toxic. I'm I'm lucky. I've had very few people that loved me in a way that was toxic. And but when you're wrapped up with someone who is manipulating you and and cares only about themselves and you don't see it yet, it doesn't feel like that's what's happening. It's only with going back and looking back on reflecting on it that that really is easy to see. So I think that in a way, the more that we admit that love is not always a good thing, the more likely we are to see something toxic for what it is sooner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about sort of outside of the movie that that I I, I wanted to bring up. One is that I can't really think about this movie without thinking about another musical. Did we talk about this, you and I, off mic already? The movie, the musical Tommy, the rock opera? You've told me you like it. I haven't ever seen it. Um, well, I don't love the musical version of it as much. I'm really more talking about the actual, like, The Who's album, Tommy. So The Who, Mm. in 1969, put out an album called Tommy. It was in the 60s. There were a lot of these sort of concept albums. Uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is another example. But this was like one of the first sort of rock operas where the whole album was a rock album that was also a story, right? Mm. Um, And Tommy is, like, there's a lot of similarities. Tommy is about, like, uh, uh, this... You know, this one like this woman and her husband, he like goes off to war and presumably dies and she moves on with someone else. He comes home, catches them together and um, and she's already at this point had a son. So there's even the whole birth and like everybody's singing about the joyousness of birth song that that is also in Tommy, just like she's out of this world is in this movie. The who wrote this? The who. Yeah. It's a fantastic, fantastic album. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, he comes home and catches them and they and he kills the other man and uh-huh. the Tommy, the son witnesses it and they tell him you didn't hear or see anything and you won't say anything to anyone. 
And after, and that event is so traumatic that it causes Tommy to lose the ability to see, hear, and speak. And so then several, then he becomes sort of manipulated and exploited by multiple people. His, then he becomes as a teenager, a pinball champion. You stay with me here. Continues to be exploited by his family and then ultimately finds a way to break out of his trauma and is able to uh, speak and see and hear again. And then he kind of becomes this messiah figure and all the and uh, and and ultimately in the end of the in the end of the, the story, he says he basically tells his disciples that you need to figure out your own problems. I can't help you. And they turn against him. Uh, so that's Tommy, the musical or the rock opera. And I couldn't not think about Annette. I couldn't think about not think about Tommy while watching this movie because there's just so some so many similarities uh, between Annette and Tommy and how Annette is this like sort of miracle and is like loved and revered, but not in a way where anybody actually loves her. Um, she's just like uh, uh, she's exploited by her father. Um, she and anyone who listens to her. Yeah, and then ultimately. Annette makes the choice to, as as a five-year-old, say, I can't have you in my life. I I don't know if I can forgive you, but I'm going to try to forget you. unbelievable, actually. This movie is not grounded in reality, though. It's not. Like, if you if you try to ground this movie in reality, it's not grounded in reality. And they and they don't try to make you think it is. Even the sets are very theatrical. That ship during the storm all of that is very theatrical. It's like watching an, a play. A play. Yeah. So I, I I was fine with that. Also, I thought that girl was fantastic. The little girl. She was fucking yeah. the best thing ever. She was amazing. Like, that was the only time in the movie I felt anything was when she was singing. I, I was like. I find the stepping back in time when he's in the courtroom. Like I that was that really. I found that scene very devastating but i understand you don't care if you don't care about that character then it's not going to do anything for you i can not like henry and still feel something for what's happening to him even though he did it to himself and i fucking hated him i was like burn in hell i get it (laughs) but i feel like that i kept wanting him to make a do well by that time it was too late but i kept wanting him to make a better choice like when he first because like annette is it henry's fault that Anne dies is it not murder or is it negligence i mean Uh, he did cause it he knocked her over but he didn't fucking drown her on purpose yeah so i feel like there was still a way to come back from that and when he's get when he gets out of the uh police station and he's singing about being a good father there was a moment there i was like this is your chance to try to change this is your chance but of course he doesn't right because yeah, no. he's not capable of that Mm-mm. yeah the thing is like i felt like she died because he wanted her dead like subconsciously i didn't feel like that like his subconscious caused him to get drunk and be all weird and like throw her off. Like he just like, I think that he, I think that that was not um like a total like, oh my God, I can't believe you're dead. It's kind of like he like subconsciously hate, hate, hated her and want, 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 
well, wanted her dead. But, but that's not what he said. He doesn't say that's not what he says, though. He says yeah, he's, he's not going to admit it to himself. I don't think I mean, I, I think that's it. your read is your read on the movie. I think that he was a man who saw himself a certain way as this comedian ape of God character that he had created. And, and, and Anne was having success in her career and distancing herself from him because of the allegations that came out. Here's my other complaint with the movie. I'll just slip this in real quick. I actually do like, at first I was very worried when they had this, when I heard the song Six Women Come Forward, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you guys better not fuck this up. And I don't think they handled it as good as I would have liked because I didn't, uh, the thing I didn't like is that they placed it in an, a part in the movie where it could have been a dream. Yes, it looked like it was a dream. I don't think it was though. I don't th- I think it really happened. And I'll tell you why. Because later when Aunt, when they, in the song, they talk about uh, th- this woman feeling like she was a moth to the flame to Henry. And then later mm-hmm. when Anne is singing alone in the pool, she says a queen should never be a moth to a flame. So I feel like it really did happen and that she was just, but I don't like the way they delivered that information in the movie because it made it seem like it wasn't necessarily real. And I wanted them to just commit to that. It felt like the most underdeveloped part of the movie to me mm-hmm. was the idea that he had been accused by these women. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? It like, almost felt like is... they had been writing other songs and then they decided to add that at the last minute. Um, yeah. But what I did like about it was that, again, I think it reinforces the idea to me that if if a man is accused of of the, of of violence or predatory behavior towards women, he is capable of lots more. Yes. And that comment I felt to ring true. Um, so I think that Henry on the ship, I think Henry had lost his career. I think that he doesn't know how to be a father. I think that he had was jealous of Anne. And I All think these that- things you're saying makes it seem like the her death was in inevitable that he wanted it to happen i don't think he wanted her death to happen i think that he is an alcoholic who lost control of his anger and in a moment of of anger like i think that the boat and there's like he they shouldn't have been up there that is his fault they should not have been up there but the, the i don't think that he wanted her dead i think he was very obviously torn up and destroyed by she her death saying we need to go back inside this is unsafe His, like it's she negligence i'm not and he kept on it's negligence i'm not saying what he did also, i don't i'm not saying he's not culpable i'm saying that it was not a thing i don't think he wanted her dead i think that he was only thinking of himself in the moment whereas with the conductor he fucking murdered that guy like he fucking yes. murdered that guy but I'm talking about subconsciously, which he was not thinking, I want her dead. But his underlying emotions led to that ha 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 happening. No, I think like he was for, just for wasted example, and being with, selfish. And, he, and this, the boat, she got knocked off the boat and he was too drunk to jump in and get her. To me, what was for foreshadowing, this was actually for foreshadowing. It reminded me of Natalie was, Wood. That's what it reminded me of. I thought I was thinking about so, Natalie Wood. The the scene, the stand, 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 stand up routine where he s- says he killed his wife from 
Okay, I can see why you would draw that conclusion. That was foreshadowing. When he when he did that routine, I was like, he's going to kill her. And then when the boat happened, I was like, this is where she's going going to die. Like it was just like I get that, but I I took a different read on it. I didn't take it as foreshadowing that he wanted to kill her. I took it as foreshadowing. Remember when I talked about the movie within a movie? This is the part that he plays. He's the monster in the woods that murders the damsel, and that is Mm -hmm. part of the foreshadowing that that is going to happen and that is inevitable because that's what the story is. But I don't think Henry, the character, wanted her to die. I think he actually felt very shitty and his life continued to spiral out of control. Oh, he felt very sh- shitty. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't I, think I don't that think he wanted think, her dead. I think that I don't think, I don't think he was thinking about anything other than my brain no, is full of whiskey. He wasn't. I'm not saying that he was thinking that or that after the fact he didn't regret regret it or wish that it didn't it didn't happen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you have underlying emotions it leads to things happening that you think you don't want and you think are bad, but they still happen because your underlying emotions are, I hate this person or I don't want to do this. Or, you know, I think that there was a, I think he, he, he hate her. I think that not consciously, like he consciously was like, I love Anne, Mm -hmm. but deep down he didn't. I disagree. I think it's fair that you have that read and I can totally see the connection there. I just don't agree. I think that he loved her, but he was selfish and angry and not capable of loving her in a way that was healthy or appropriate. And I think that he was drunk and wanting to be the center of attention in that moment and that his needing to be the center of attention caused an accident that led to her death and his being too drunk to to do anything about it also led to her death so his actions led to her death but i don't think that i don't at at no point do i think he hated her i think he hated himself more than anything else honestly but that's my read and i think your read is totally valid and i think the movie supports your read as well i think my read is based on my past relationship again that that I felt like even though he told me he loved me, he could, he didn't. And I and think that we're meant to bring our own experience to it. And so yeah. your read is right. Your read is right. And it's true. And I also believe, but I believe the way I read it is I'm yeah. bringing my own experience to that. Yeah. You know, um, much like the puppet, which we haven't even talked about. I feel like the puppet is meant to be a thing that we can put our own feelings on. I was very concerned about the puppet when I heard about it. I was like, this is going to take me out of the movie. And maybe it took you out of the movie. Maybe that's what you're about to say. But for me, I actually, I loved that puppet. I wanted to mother the shit out of that puppet. I wanted only the best things for that puppet. And I didn't expect her to turn into a little girl at any point. I was just, wow. I was like, wow, I can't believe how in love I am how protective I feel of this puppet. Like I really love her. And, and it, to me, it were like, also I was thinking about how when you're a parent, there's a point where you have to realize that your child is not you or an extension of you. And for some people that takes a really long time, well into their adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> but 
a lot of conflicts I think between parent and parents and children exist with they are actually an independent entity that does not they're not your puppet. And so to me, that was a really relatable metaphor. But it also, I think, went nicely into the idea that Annette is a thing that can be exploited by the adults around her. She is a puppet of theirs. And that only and I feel like that really came together for me at the end when Henry really sees her as a person. But it's Mm -hmm. too late by that point. It's far too late. Too late. Yeah, I can totally see why they use the puppet if you're going from that angle the that it she's just being used but i like i felt it was also i know they didn't intend it but it was also a way to just not have her have a character at all that's fair thing that's fair but that's what she was to everyone in the movie though the adults she was just a thing to them and she creeped me out like it was just creepy and i didn't she looks a little bit like chucky at times yeah, it just like <laughs> uh, it really actually upset me. Okay, uh, I think they also used the puppet. I heard in an interview, I believe Leo said that they also used the puppet because they didn't want to cast a child to express all those emotions. Yes, um, no, that's actually what I had thought yeah. because when we saw her that at was, the end, it was a practical reason. I was like, okay, this girl is talented enough to have done all of these scenes, but she was not a baby. I ca- also yes but I cared about this girl when she came on the screen and I was like I would not have been able to watch all these bad things happening to her that's fair if she were real because but I also do think even though the movie's called Annette it's not about Annette so that's why the puppet works for me because exactly what you said if I if she had been a real baby like I would have really had trouble watching this movie yeah. But Annette this, isn't this a real baby. Should've... She's a metaphor. Yeah. Which I just... Ugh. Which you don't like and that's fine. But that plays into the theatricality why, of this why movie. Why are we having a character be a metaphor? Like, no. Because this movie is a meditation on the myths that we tell. And that myth is big bad man does bad things and gets away with it. And the woman sacrifices herself. And that is a story we tell ourselves over and over and over again. But in, but ultimately, Annette, as she becomes a real person, says, I don't want this. And maybe that's what you're saying, Sarah, but you're saying the same thing Annette is. Annette is saying, I don't want this story. I don't mm-hmm. want it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's important. And you you may not like the movie, and that's fine. Uh, but I, that that is part of what makes this movie different for me, is that Annette is saying... I don't accept this. I don't want it. I don't want the love of a person, a love of a person like you. And in effect saying, I, this is a story I don't want to repeat anymore. I'm saying goodbye to the story. And that works for me. Yeah. I guess like, cause my, my mom had a really toxic mom Mm -hmm. and she was not able to let go of her until well after her death Mm -hmm. when I was like in my teens. Yeah. And I think that a child that young, there is no way in hell that... And like you sure. said, it's not realistic. This is theatrical, though. Yeah. This is a this is a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. This is a... This is a, 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 a an epic poem. Yeah. It's not... A, I guess it's the, not grounded in reality. And it, it ended in a way that was like, he got his punishment and he... 
he, you know, he's suffered the consequences of all his actions. But in reality, in the real world, she would go on, like the cycle would repeat. She would go on to grow up and then fall in love with someone just like li- li- like him. And it would just repeat, you know? Maybe, like, or maybe she, maybe she, her tell saying, I don't want your love is her breaking the cycle. That's how I took it. Well, yes, but I'm just saying in the real world, that's not what Sure, happens. yes, but also I think it's fair unfair to say that every woman who has a bad relationship with their parents grows up to go back into that cycle. I think that's unfair because that yeah. doesn't always happen. It, you're right. It, it, you it have to make a happen. choice to not fall into that pattern, mm-hmm. but there are many women who don't. And there are many w- women who've grown up in a perfectly healthy relationship with their parents who do end up in an abusive relationship as well. Exactly. 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 And that is not your fault. It's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. And it's not the fault of any woman who gets a, in, embroiled in, a, in an abusive relationship. Oh, yeah, no. The, there is nothing, not there's nothing wrong with the desire to want to love and be loved. It's, but, yeah. And some people find that vulnerability in you and they take advantage of it. And that's on mm-hmm. them and not on you. You yeah. know? Um, see, I read it in a different way that the moment Henry walks into the corner the whole story starts over again for him. Henry, the character, he goes back to being the monster again. And we start all over at the beginning. Now, what you didn't see because we left er we left before the credits were over. Now I saw this when I watched it on Amazon prime, there is actually a scene at the end where we're very similar to the beginning where the entire cast is walking down a beach with lanterns and they're singing about how this is the end. And it's actually really sweet because the little girl is like, you know, kind of running around on the beach and Adam is running and chasing her. And like, it's almost like a a, a cleansing, I feel like, after we've watched all this really devastating shit where it's like, hey, remember, guys, this is just a movie and everybody's okay. And the camera kind of pulls away really like into this sort of drone shot where all you see is the lanterns. And again, it's the whole idea is it's a play and this is the curtain call. And and I mm-hmm. and we didn't you didn't see that when we watched it in the theater, but that that's what happens at the end, at the end of the, during the credits. Uh, what makes you think that the last shot is him going back to the beginning? Because the movie felt very because of the repetition of the movie and because the repetition of the narratives that we've been sold our whole lives. Anne is a successful opera singer who gets murdered on stage every night because that those are the rules that roles that are available to women. Now, is the movie smart enough to know that it's doing the same thing to Anne? I'm not sure. And I agree with you on that. Does the movie know that it's doing the same thing to Anne that 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 we do to every other woman in every movie? Sometimes she's being sacrificed by death, but women are, are often painted as some kind of sacrificial side character. And women in, in, in film and theater have been have built entire careers off of being the sacrificial lamb because that's what's been fucking given to us. Yeah. And so the cyclical nature of that story combined with the self-awareness, I feel like that the characters are in a wink, winky way, short sort of showing again, I'm going to call back to that scene where at, after Anne's performance, Henry uh, meets up with her on the bike and he says, she says, how was your show? And he says, I murdered them. And he's like, what about, what about you? And again, and again, this goes back to comedy and how, you know, we're supposed to murder the audience with our jokes. I murdered them. That's a common comedy phrase. Or Mm -hmm. I killed. 
mm-hmm. you know, or I bombed, I did poorly. Mm-hmm. These are such violent ways to describe a comedy show, you know, but this commonplace, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, I murdered them. And he says, what about you? And she says, I saved them. And to me, that's the whole story. And that's, the, those are the archetypes they're playing and they're trapped. Henry and Anne, Adam and Marianne are not trapped in that narrative because they get to have a curtain call at the end of the show. But Henry and Anne are forever trapped in this cycle together. Forever. To me. That's how I read it. Horrifying. It is horrifying. We need to tell something else. And that's what Annette says. I don't want this anymore. I don't want it. And I agree with Annette. Let's tell something else. But the way this was told worked for me because of of the execution. I think... That's so funny because I think that the story would have been okay with me if it hadn't been an opera. If it hadn't been so theatrical, you wanted if something a little more grounded. If it hadn't been sure. That's fair. stating everything that we're thinking and feeling exactly in words, like if it was more sus, sus, huddle and there weren't a lot of words. That's fair. That is not this movie. No. But that's fair. Uh, I think the movie chose that as as a as a motif and it stuck with it they were like this is what we're going with and they committed to it and it didn't work um, for you and that's fine um and by the way speaking of the who and tommy mm-hmm. did you know that i'm guessing you looked up the facts of this mo- mo- movie but did you know that this movie was also not originally a film it was uh, a band sparks wrote yes uh, i did yeah a rock opera yes and yeah they've okay. been working yeah. on this for like 15 years yeah which is like shocking to me because like li- 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 literally during the film I was like I feel like a high schooler could have written these lyrics like I, I love like, the album what? I've been listening to it over and over again here's one thing another thing that I will say that I think the movie um is sort of a a, a negative for the movie I feel like the singing in the sound on the soundtrack is better and that's why I sent it to you um the singing is just better and they wanted to sing everything live and uh, to varying degrees of success, but it's hard to sing and move around at the same time. And um, and I think that while I still enjoy the movie, the soundtrack singing is just better. It just is. Um, so I will say that. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out that I don't know if you know, be- is that the, the when I watched it the second time and the young lady, remember we see Laos, the director in the beginning, in the recording studio oh, and the him. young lady. Yeah. That's Leos at the console where he says, so may we start? That's the director. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the young lady behind him. I was like, who is that? That's his daughter. So his daughter is in the movie in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I looked into it a little bit more. And so his, her mother died. Uh, now her mother was, Leos's like muse or whatever. She was in a bunch of his movies. They never married. She was his partner. And and a few years ago she died. Um, there was not a lot of information about how she died. Um, some play some sources say it was under mysterious circumstances, and then and other sources say she committed suicide. Um, I'm not saying that Leos killed his wife, obviously, but what I'm saying is there was a sort of controversial death that happened. Um and I feel like that is clearly a part of the storytelling for him and, and, and what he's putting into this movie. That's even creepier. I than thought you I may, I thought you might imagined. be creeped out by that. 
that's like unimaginably creepy that he would be okay with telling the story when his wife died. Or is this him work working out his grief? And let's say, let's say he, I mean, I'm not saying he had anything to do with her death. Let's just assume that, uh, and now apparently she had a history of depression. So her committing suicide is not uh, a a, a far-fetched reason for her death. So let's say she did die by her own hand. Um, I imagine that even if you had nothing to do with it, you would be left with all this guilt, right? Survivor's guilt or whatever. Um, and when, oh, she died when his daughter was six. So that was about 10 years ago. So he had a young child he had to raise now alone and his wife or his partner was dead. Um, I imagine that. So also let him know that this was 10 years ago as well. It's not like he made this movie like a year after her death. So I feel like, again, this is, I'm going to compare this again to the man who killed Don Quixote and the idea that as artists, we take the things that happen to us and the pain that we feel and we try to work it out in the art that we're making. And to me, that feels like what this was for him. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Yikes. I think that's an appropriate reaction to that. But again, uh, what that's what we do, right? We write about the things that we feel. Yeah. And so this was something that he and they've been he, you know, this and but he it wasn't all his story entirely. The Sparks Brothers. No, it was written by Sparks. So yeah. it just like the way it came together, I think probably, um, you know, they worked on it together. So I think this was yeah. part of a process of him maybe processing a lot of those feelings also. Yeah. By the way, I became super hooked on the Sparks after this. Um, and um, my friend Aaron sent me a playlist of the Sparks Brothers because there's also a documentary about the Sparks Brothers by Edgar Wright that's out that came out around the same time. And I got to say, I've been really enjoying the Sparks Brothers like music. It is so fucking catchy and kind of like synthy 80s, like, you know, like very or late 70s kind of. Um, it's really been it's been like the soundtrack of my of my the last couple months for me. Um, anyway, let's see anything else. Oh, I, we never talked about this, but again, I just, I wanted to mention there's one phrase that is repeated every time Henry participates in a murder and it's, there's so little I can do. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said it's, he says it after Anne falls off the boat, but then he also says Mm -hmm. it after he kills the conductor. Yeah. And again, this to me is a fresh ish take on this type of man. You know, he doesn't, murder or commit violence because he's inherently bad or evil or something that simplistic he is just so self-centered that he can't possibly change you know what i mean like there's so little i can do well you you are the cause of this problem it's the inability to take responsibility which i feel like these men that are often accused of violence against women and i'm talking about all these public figures who women have come out and said you know this person is a predator and they did this and this and this to me and then other women have come out and these men are unwilling to accept any responsibility and i think that is very insidious 
And so that part of the movie, I, I think it was a small thing that really resonated with me was the idea that Henry can literally be murdering someone and still not take responsibility for it. Well, yeah. Um, anyway, anything else to say about Annette? Um, just one more thing. What yep. did you think about the ghost? Oh God. Can we please talk about that? Thank you for bringing that up. I have big pro I don't have a problem with the ghost. I have big problems with the idea that we should blame Anne in any way for what happens to Annette. Because later in the song, Annette says, I can't forgive mom. And I'm like, what are we not forgiving Anne for? Like, she's literally dead. And she was with him. uh, I I think that we're meant to believe that that ghost and that gives Anne Annette her singing ability because she says, I'm going to haunt you, Henry. Uh, I'll die after day. I will be a ghost. I will work my revenge through Annette or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I, I really personally my head canon is more that that ghost is a a a manifestation of henry's guilt yes and i don't think and and i feel like this is another this is again i don't this movie is not a flawless movie for me by any stretch i love this movie but there are things like this that bother me where it's like why do we need to put blame on Anne for what happens to annette um Anne is not to blame henry Mm -hmm. is haunted by his own guilt Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Anne has anything to do with that. And so I like the idea that that his guilt appears as a sort of distorted version of Anne. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the idea that that's somehow Anne using Annette to torture Henry. I don't fucking accept that. Yeah, no, just, I, I don't. I yeah, I I just saw that it was a manifestation of his guilt, which I also didn't really buy that he had a lot of guilt oh i definitely Um, think he has tons of guilt and self-loathing he just isn't going to do anything about it yeah yeah that's the thing is the portrayal of this by adam driver and the writing of the character to me felt even in a movie that the in the movie that is very theatrical the performances are grounded Adam is very grounded. Marion Cotillard's very grounded. Um, even the little girl, all of it, the performances are grounded, but the world is not. And to me, Henry is a person who thinks he's doing better, but isn't, who thinks that he's loving someone, but isn't, who does have a lot of guilt and self-loathing, which translates into him abusing his own body with alcohol. And and pills, I guess. I don't know. We see him taking pills before he goes to bed also. Um, so does he have it's it's simple to say, well, a guy that does stuff like that doesn't feel guilty. Is that true? Or do they feel guilty and still are so fucking selfish that they cannot think of anyone other than themselves and actually do something to mm-hmm. change it? That yeah, feels more real to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can feel guilt and still be a shitty person. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Uh, anything else to say? But thank you for bringing that up because I had it in my notes and I did, I wanted to fucking talk about that. So I'm really glad that we did. Um, anything else to say about? I think we talked about everything that I had to talk talk about. Um, I don't know if you have a favorite song. Is there any song you tolerate in this movie? Because I would like to talk about my favorite. Just okay, mention. Go ahead. 
my favorite yeah. song. Well, do you no, have any I've... song you tolerate even? Is there a song you liked? You said you liked the ending a little. I, I liked that they used a real girl. Okay. Finally, I didn't like the song. Like I just, you I didn't really, like the music. I didn't like the sound of the music. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the lyrics. I didn't like the, 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 the voices. Um, I think that Adam like speaks things like his singing voice sounds just if like If you listen to voice. the soundtrack, it's this like on Spotify. I think like he's, there's more, it's more singing and less talking. I think that singing live was while a good uh, attempt um, in my eyes hurt the music a little bit. That is one of my criticisms is that after listening to the soundtrack over and over again, when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, this doesn't sound as good as the soundtrack does. Also, um, like the, but his the, voice is quite beautiful on the soundtrack, I think. The the lyrics just uh, like and the I don't know, like the music and the lyrics offended me so much that I couldn't even watch this movie again. Fair. Um, so, no, I did not have a favorite song. <laughs> Okay, well, my favorite song is, uh, I I don't know why, but I love the, you used to laugh. I love the song that he's singing when he like loses it during the comedy show. And again, this is, I think, more based on the soundtrack than, uh, although I do like the way it's staged in the movie. Um, I just really like Adam screaming, fuck, very loudly over and over and over again. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and, and then also I like stepping back in time. Like I said, this the courtroom scene. Uh, I think it's beautiful and the harmony is really good. And um, there's a, something sad and longing about it. And like I said, I don't uh, feel like I, I don't feel like I excuse Henry's behavior or feel like there's anything justifiable about what he did. But I can still feel some uh, this movie did make me feel some sadness for what they lost because he wasn't able to love in a way that was appropriate or healing to his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm not even going to ask if you have moments of thirst. I'm not even going to ask. I have moments of revulsion. <laughs> uh, I have enough thirst for the both of us, I feel like. So if you don't mind, I'd like to go through some of my moments of thirst. Sure. Um, I look, Again, Henry is a terrible person. I'm just going to say that. But this, the the people who made this movie, by the way, there's this adorable interview of the cinem- of the women who they're the women the the people who shot this movie, the cinematographers, the the camera people were women, by the way. Um, and there's an adorable conversation where they're just like giggling about how smitten they were with Adam Driver through this entire movie, and how they just like couldn't look at him without like feeling really shy it's just super adorable and how they just like he made them feel really like just smitten um anyway the people that shot this movie and and leos who directed this movie they know how beautiful adam driver is and i feel like they really lit and framed him in a way that accentuated that um so despite the fact that henry is a disgusting person this movie, it's like somebody crawled inside my sexual fantasies and then made a fucking movie. Um, I'm serious. Like, he looks gorgeous. The I, I, You look revolted, and that's fine. Don't judge me. Do not judge me. Also, can you not separate 
the character you don't like from the actor? Because well, I can. What's interesting is that I actually thought that the way they lit him and the way that they made him look like slimy. I don't like, think he looked slimy. Scenes like I was. He like, did later. Him look revolting in the second half of the movie yes i agree i think they did light him in a way that was very like lots of shadows and harsh lighting and i think they did try to make him look kind of revolting but in the first half of the movie they made him look like a fucking like he belonged on the cover of a fucking romance novel to me that's what i saw um the love scene was hot as hell um I know you don't agree, but I'm allowed to enjoy this. Yeah, you cannot take yeah. that from me. I'm allowed. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm allowed. The oral sex scene like, was actually shot very beautifully, I thought. Um, him on the motorcycle, and they were like riding on the motorcycle together, and he's like kind of rubbing her hand, his, her arm a little bit while they're singing. I found the, the, all those love scene stuff, like sometimes I might just watch that first half of the movie just to enjoy a, ha- a, like, a love story, and then when by by the time we get to the second half maybe i just i'll just turn it off <laughs> um i love his singing voice i know you said that you think he speaks sings uh which in a lot of the songs he did in the movie but on the soundtrack his voice is fucking gorgeous and deep and beautiful i really was very turned on by him walk like stomping around in that bathrobe i was into it and i just generally find his commitment to this role as an actor his 120 percent commitment to be incredibly sexy and those are my moments of thirst yeah okay and i'm allowed i am allowed allowed. you're allowed i'm being rude i'm so sorry it's okay i'm just like so like you don't like henry and that's all right but i I even put him in my i can hate him and still put him in my spank bank sarah i can't in in those sex scenes they even lit and like make make up um, Marion Cotillard in a slimy, gross way. I like, don't it, agree. I, I do not agree. I just, like I don't agree. It, just, it didn't feel like love. And like the the part where they're like like having sex and like he's like they're like spooning, spooning, so hot. And like oh love my each god, other so, hot. so much, so hot. Like they looked like worms. Like I do not agree. Writhing. Like it was just like. Uh, I don't agree. Um. I think it was super hot. <laughs> it was hot and it and I play it on my head sometimes just while I'm making coffee in the morning just to get oh. just for a little pick me up. As you would imagine, I'm normally up for pretty much anything in the bedroom, but I can't tell if what happened was weird or sexy. Uh, do we have some Adam and Andy trivia today? So, I actually found a piece of trivia <gasps> that is not about Adam That's at fine. all. That's fine. That's okay. Is it about it Andy? Just- no, oh, okay. it's about Simon Helberg. Oh, that's fine. Also, I didn't mention it in our moments of thirst, but I but I want to say that Simon Helberg came in with the secret thirst. I actually found him to be also kind of hot, um, which I did not expect and was very surprised by. But I was like, you know what? I kind of like the two of these guys as a as a set. I'd like to see them just I want to see I'd like a different movie where the two of these guys just globe trot together uh looking hot um i that was a movie i that was a spinoff i would have liked personally oh my gosh so yeah okay. give me some simon helberg give me a little secret thirst i'm into it so get a load of this simon helberg was so 
eager to get the part that he became a French citizen and learned French as the production needed more EU citizens in the cast to get EU funding. It turned out to be unnecessary as Marion Cotillard was cast in the role previously given to Rooney Mara and Michelle Williams. That is fucking commitment. These actors wanted to commit. Um, Do you think this movie would have felt different to you if one of those other actors had been in there? I'm glad Marianne Cotillard was in it. I thought she was Marianne fantastic. Cotillard is a very good actress. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed her in uh, uh, Love You and Rose. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. The first role I saw yeah. her in, and I just yeah. l- l- loved her in that. Yeah, she's, she's very talented. Great. She's great. Um, and she can actually sing. I mean, I know she the opera parts weren't She didn't do voice. the opera parts, but most of the singing was her. But she can sing re- re- yeah, it was beautiful. really well. Yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know if I think that that part could have been played by a lot, a, a lot of people. Oh, there wasn't much to that part. I disagree. Uh, again, um, I also felt like, and we didn't talk about this in the main part of the episode, but I, I, I there were so many things I was that were re- recalling in my memory as I watched this movie, like her short hair and even the way she's dressed in that scene where they're like having their date in the woods or whatever reminded me a lot of Jane C of Jean Seberg. Um, do you know who that actor is? She's a Mm -hmm. friend. She's an American actress from the 1960s who had that haircut, um, who was in like Jean-Luc Godard's breathless and like a lot of sort of art house films. Um, and was this really like it girl kind of actress. And then, um, but, but, uh, you know, this, she has this really crazy story where like the FBI pegged her as some kind of like threat. So they started like doing this campaign to kind of destroy her life. And she went and it really like and it really kind of drove her, you know, really traumatized her. And uh, she d- died under mysterious circumstances, but most likely suicide. And anyway, there's a whole thing about her. Uh, but I was thinking a lot about Jane Seberg, Jean Seberg. And then I was wondering, like, was this on purpose? And later, as I was reading about Laos, um, he was actually a sort of like a disciple of Godard. And I think was in some of his films in the 60s, maybe. And so probably that was probably not an accident. Uh, I think he was definitely trying to evoke that actor. Um, It was very obvious to me in any case. Anyway, that was a great piece of trivia. I'm glad Simon got the role. I thought he was fantastic. By the way, God damn, this is another thing I wanted to say. When they have the puppet, when the actors are holding the puppet, they were actually operating it. Like they had to teach the actors how to op. So the, the scenes where like Marion is sitting on the floor of the by the pool holding Annette, and she's like, "Well, they that the, sometimes they were underneath the um the pool deck or whatever." But there were other times when they're holding the puppet in their arms. Um, the 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 uh, actors operating the puppet, which I thought was really interesting, is that they had to act and sing and operate this fucking puppet at the same time. Give Adam his Oscar already. Yeah, where is his Oscar? Where is his He's, fucking Oscar? He has done a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. After this, all this shit. This. I think this is the mo- mo- movie. You I think, think? I think. Uh, this House of Gucci, Last Duel. He is working his ass off. Give him the Oscar already. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though I didn't like his character, I do. I think he did. Like you said, 120% commitment. Like mm-hmm. you, could, you could never argue that adam is not 
committed. And I do think that for me, a, a different actor in that role and this movie and he would, and that character would have been insufferable for me. Well, that's the thing is like only Adam could have played this role, but lots of women could play Anne. Um, Just admit it. Just admit it, Nicole. Maybe. Maybe. I, I do think that this, I think that the writer was more interested in exploring Henry than Anne. And that is another complaint I would have about this movie is that I am a little tired of women being accessory to men in movies, but that's literally like every movie we watch. There are so few yeah. movies that aren't like that, that if I always, if I, if I never watched a movie because women are always an accessory to men, like even to me, even the conductor had a more of a character arc than Anne does. Yep. Honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not disagreeing with you about that. That is a fucking fact and a fucking complaint about this movie is that, yeah, maybe Marion was great and her voice was amazing. Maybe someone else could have played that role because they just really didn't give her character a, a true arc. She was an mm-hmm. accessory. She was a catalyst. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's most not to women say that Marion didn't do a good job. Right. But it wasn't written to give her much in the way of uniqueness. Yeah. And you're not wrong about that. You're completely right about that. Oh, you look awesome. Come the fuck upstairs. Okay. But wait, I have to warn you about something. What? If you come up here, I'm going to tie you to my bed and keep you for at least three days. I'm just in that kind of mood. Um, Shall we talk about what we're watching next week? Yes. So we're not going to spin the wheel this week because we already know what we're watching. We are watching the next two episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, season yeah. eight. And I did pull up uh the the description of the next two episodes so uh basically sorry i'm trying to like look at you and look at this at the same time there we go uh so the (laughs) third episode or sorry the yeah the third episode is blue flu blue flu f-l-u captain holt and amy manage an understaffed precinct Charles and Jake investigate. So that's the next episode. Okay. And then after that, we have balancing. Jake and Amy create a system to balance work and childcare. Rosa gets a new house guest. Work and childcare, eh? Yeah, I'd like to see Jake fucking parenting, Do maybe? Something? I'm still a little salty about the, the cabin. Um, yeah. Let me see that they're actually trying to balance it, and it's not just... Amy doing all the work and Jake like stepping into babysit occasionally. Men are men are not babysitters; they're fathers. Yep. And so I'd like to see. Let's. I, I hope we get to see a little bit of that. Yeah. Um. So listeners, we'll continue our our watch of season eight of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Obviously, we're not staying up to date. Like it, we're not watching it and putting out episodes every week. Um. We're dragging this out. We're gonna drag this out. We're gonna. It's gonna be a tantalizing meal that we're having we're not trying to horse our food down right mm-hmm. we're taking little tiny bites of brooklyn 99 because this is the last season we're nibbling we're nibbling um well sarah do you feel cleansed now that we've had this conversation i feel cleansed i feel remorse why i gave you no mercy in my cutting the film down to what i, I how i felt I don't, Um, it doesn't change my enjoyment of the film. And I think that it's good to, I think this film is polarizing. I think some people love it and some people hate it. 
and that it actually makes a lot of sense that we would have a discussion where both sides are represented. And I do mm-hmm. think that um, we don't have to like, we don't have to agree about everything. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think we have to agree about everything. And, and, and you're, I want you to speak freely about how you feel. I feel a little remorse for trying to like, you know, push my agenda, my no. pro and net agenda on you. Don't feel remorse. How, how about we, this will agree. We, we shouldn't feel remorse. You're right. No remorse. Let's let Henry certainly does. <laughs> uh, listeners, uh, we've had a good time talking about Annette with you. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, other, uh, I'm looking forward to Brooklyn Nine-Nine next week, but I'm also looking forward to some of Adam's other upcoming pro- projects like Last Duel and House of Gucci. Um, hey, what did you think of Annette? Are you team Sarah or team Nicole? Let us know. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Adam and Andy Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Adam Andy Pod. Uh, so, Sarah, next week is going to be real different. The tone is going to be super different. Um, what if we come in next week and I'm just like, I fucking hated this episode. And I'm like, I, I hated that. it. No, we agree for the most part. It's just, I think, you know. It's okay to not agree. Adam films, we've disagreed on more often. Well, because he chooses, I think, projects that are a little more controversial. And I I will say one more thing about Annette. Even though I didn't like it, I will say it is something to discuss. It's something to to think about because it is so polarizing. Mm -hmm. It is so... Like it made people feel so many things. Yes. And that I think is a success. Yeah, we didn't even really address this, but would you recommend this film to a fan of Adam Driver's work? I would. Because yeah. he does a great job. He's in amazing it. in it. I yeah. obviously I would recommend it because I really like the film, but I do think that even if you come away not liking the film, it's hard to ignore how good the his ape of per- God. Yeah, it's hard to ignore the ape of God. Like he apes all this over the that screen. Been called the ape of God. Um, we didn't even talk about all the gorilla imagery. Like, I feel like I could have talked about this film for <laughs> hours. Um, but I have enjoyed talking about it with you and uh, looking forward to getting back to the 9-9 next nine, week. 9-9. Nine. Nine, nine.